You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay, or just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com. For the first time in his still young NFL career, Jordan Love appears to be taking real steps towards becoming a starting caliber quarterback. And with that, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Lemp's Talk and Pack. I'm your host, Chris Lempesis, coming to you once again from my basement Packer room and my home in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here to break down the Green Bay Packers one more till they count for real. 20-10 win over the New Orleans Saints on Friday night at Lambeau Field. Lambeau was, man, did anybody else think Lambeau was like unusually rocking Friday night? I mean, it was a preseason game, but Lambeau, I mean, Lambeau sounded loud. They were making noise when the pack was on defense. And actually, okay, they, they were making noise too when the Packers were on offense. <laughs> so yeah, kind of hit or miss on that. Uh, I think at one point it sounded like they were chanting Go Pack Go or something while Green Bay was on offense. So, you know, not awesome. <laughs> I know Rodgers in his uh, fourth quarter, I think it was, interview, called the fans out for doing the wave. The wave! <laughs> while the Packers were on offense. Got You know, hey guys, we got to work these kinks out now, okay? We can't have these things happening during the season when the games count. We have to keep our composure in the stands when they're on offense, everyone. You know? Can't have everybody can't have anybody freaking out when the Packers are on offense. It's preseason for everyone, I guess. <sighs> uh but yeah, the, there were some interesting developments Friday night, both good and bad, and I'll get to that as I move along here tonight. And oh yeah, there was a very interesting development on Sunday as well. Don't worry. It's all going to be discussed tonight, right here. Before we get into the fun, I have to do the shameless self-promotion, which I know you love, or at the very least, you tolerate. Thank you for that. Social media, Twitter, Lamps, MKE, at It's Just Chris Now. Again, was tweeting throughout the game Friday night. That's not going to happen once the regular season starts. I'm going to pull back. Very sporadic with the tweets during the regular season games because if I tell you everything I think on Twitter, what the hell reason do you have to listen to the show? Am I right? Huh? Huh? <laughs> All right. Facebook, old bag of donuts, OL bag of donuts. The email, old bag of donuts, OL bag of donuts at gmail.com. Again, I would really like to hear from you guys and gals. I know a lot of you are listening, a lot of you are listening every week. I see the numbers. You don't need to know what they are, but I know what they are, and I know a lot of you are listening. I'd like to hear from you. What do you think of the show? Where do you listen from? You know what's you know what I mean. Where do you you listen at work? You listen in the car? Where do you live? What do you think about the team this year? Anything? Pass it along. I really again, I'm going to encourage all of you to write. Just drop me. It doesn't have to be long. 
You know, it could just be, hey, Tubby, I listen to you from Austin, Texas. All right, that's it. That's all I need to know. Thanks. You know, like the show. That'd be nice, too. Uh, <laughs> for anyone listening on the Wonderful Packers Talk iTunes page, leave a rating, five stars. Me like you those the most. Four stars are good, too. A comment, especially if it's positive, leave it. That'd be good. Uh, we're on Spotify. You can find us by searching for Packers Talk and looking for our logo, which is the head of the Vince Lombardi statue, which sits outside Lambeau Field. We're on the iHeartRadio app. You can find us there. If you listen on a platform I don't mention, as always, drop me a line. Let me know. That'd be cool. And again, just subscribe. Just mash down mindlessly on the subscribe button. That way we deliver right to your phone. We don't tell anybody what's on your phone. Again, no worries. No, nobody from Packers Talk is going to, we're not going to narc you out, man. Whatever's on there, that's your deal. But just subscribe. That'd be good. Thank you. And I, of course, have to give a special shout-out to our wonderful sponsor, Ticket King. You heard the ad at the start of the show. And I'd like to take this opportunity to mention that you, the Lemps Talking Pack listener, the Packers Talk listener, can save 10% off of Ticket King's already low prices on Packers tickets by using the code PT10 when you order at theticketking.com. The website is theticketking.com. The code is PT10. Use it. But don't wait too much longer, because that code expires on August 31st. Okay, now that we done got all that out the way, let's go, let's dive right in, let's talk about... Okay, I'm going to get to the dub from Friday night, but first, I feel like it's, it's more important to talk about the big news from Sunday, and that is the return of left tackle David Bakhtiari off the pup list was announced Sunday morning by Matt LaFleur in his press conference. Big news there. Very exciting. Um, uh, You know, if you've been listening to the show, you know I've been very pessimistic about when we'd see Bakhtiari again. Actually, I said this on Twitter uh, Sunday morning. I I was starting to think he was just going to be on the pup to start the season. I have this little... I'm such a nerd. I have this little notes um, document on my phone where I kind of like throughout camp will kind of like go to like what I think the 53 will look like. <laughs> and I had the one from last year and then I just update it each year. So I was updating it recently and I had Bakhtiari listed on the pup. Cause obviously that's where he was. That's where he started last year. And I was like, well, I might as well just leave him on the pup. Cause I don't think he's coming off. <laughs> I think he's just going to miss the first six weeks again. So Sunday's development, very encouraging, very exciting. Good to see I was proven wrong on that. Uh, as for when he might be back, LaFleur was very non-committal. I think it's, you know, which makes sense. It's all about, you know, he's just doing individual drills at this point. He hasn't even been cleared for team drills. He hasn't cleared that hurdle yet. Um, I know Christian Watson has, I think, just, I think he just got cleared for team drills Sunday morning, so that's exciting. But, you know, Bakhtari, it's going to be a process. You know, they got to get his, his legs beneath him, his feet beneath him in individual stuff. Then he's got to get into team stuff. Um, it's, I hate to even venture a guess, but I would say it's, I would guess it's very unlikely he plays week one. Yeah. I I would say maybe even not week two, maybe you're looking more like week three that we start to see Bakhtiari. It's going to be, I think they're going to really be cautious, safe, smart, whatever word you want to use. Um, making sure he's 110% ready. So that there are no setbacks with that knee because God knows there's, he's dealt with more than enough setbacks. More than any one player should ever have to deal with. So they're going to be safe with it. 
But just the fact that he'll be back, you know, it's very exciting. You know, he'll be back sooner rather than later. It was very exciting. And as for what the line will look like when he returns, I do, I mean, obviously he'll slot in at left tackle. Um, I think right now, you know, they've got Yash at, at uh, left tackle. I think the plan eventually is to have Jenkins at right tackle. But I do think when Bakhtari comes back, there'll be some shifting. My guess is Jenkins kicks back into his most natural spot at left guard. And they go Bakhtiari, um, Jenkins, Josh Myers, probably John Runyon at right guard, and then maybe Yash at right tackle. Um, that seems to make the most sense, right? Runyon at right guard, Yash at right tackle. That that and that feels like the makings of a kick-ass offensive line with a lot of really good depth behind. You know, Royce Newman, Zach Tom, who you know I've been talking about. Could he get? Could he steal one of the one of the spots on the right side? Yeah, it's it's not impossible that that could happen. So. A lot of good, you know, they have good depth, good starters. It's going to be a real strength of the team once again, which you need it to be. All right. Now, let's get to Friday night's dub at Lambeau Field. Preseason dub. So it's a shorter dub. You know, regular season, I go dub. Preseason is more of a dub. Preseason dub. You know, better than losing, I guess. Um, Obviously, as touched on in the lead, the big story is the performance of one Jordan Love. Love played just over three quarters on Friday. Finishing 12 of 24 for 113 yards, one touchdown, no picks, 4.7 yards per attempt, and a 77.3 rating. Now, don't look at strictly the stats. Do not be a box score scout. For the love of God, don't be a box score scout. If you... Oh, burp, gotta keep it real. If you take anything away from the show tonight, do not be a box score scout, for God's sakes. Love played very well. And you know, I've been tough on love. I'm a tough grader, tougher than a lot of people. But I thought he played very well, particularly leading up to his touchdown pass, a four-yard connection with future Hall of Famer rookie <laughs> Romeo Dobbs. Boy, that was a nice play, wasn't it? Well defended, too, but just a nice throw from love. Uh, Dobbs high points it perfectly, comes down with it, 10-3 Packers, just about midway through the second quarter. I'm telling you, and when Rodgers is under center, I feel like that play, that's going to be a cash money play for Aaron Rodgers. That little two-step drop, three-step drop, quick flick to Dubs in the corner of the end zone and just rely on Dubs, rely on Dubs' athletic skills. I gotta get, I'm sorry, it's, it's a habit. Because I want to call him Dubs. Because I say Dubs on the show. It's just It just flows easier for, in my brain. Dubs. That's going to be a cash money play, that, that little Rodgers to, to Dobbs connection. Inside the five-yard line, I think. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, there were several other good moments from Love leading up to that TD pass. First quarter, a couple plays I like. Love stays calm on a third-down blitz. Hits Juwan Winfrey on a crosser for a nice first-down pickup. Good stuff there. Love then follows it up with a really nice first-down throw to Dobbs for 16. Good pocket, good protection. More on that in a little bit. Love timed it right and hit Dobbs near the sideline. Just really good stuff. Let's move to the second quarter. Another really good connection from Love to Winfrey. This one on a play action. Good ball placement on the shot downfield from Love. Just a nice throw, you know? Just good stuff. I thought, you know, and I talked about this last week, the the composure continues to be there, you know? He seems so much calmer. It feels like the game is is moving so much slower for him, which is great. That's exactly what you want to see. Thought he appeared in total control most of the time consistently knew where he needed to go with the ball, and he did his part in getting it there. I say he did his part 
because he was hurt throughout the evening by drops. There were fumbles. There was the one play really early where Dobbs kind of turned the wrong shoulder on what looked like a nice downfield strike from Love. So none of that's his fault. You know, quarterbacks can't control that stuff. Had his receivers played better, you know, or had he been playing with, you know, Lazard and Watkins and Cobb, the stat line looks a whole lot better. You know it does. So that's good. Now, he wasn't perfect. There were some moments, I do have to say, that left me wanting a little more. The big one, uh, this was uh, late in the first half. Safety Sean Davis picks up the Ian Book fumble, runs it all the way back into Saints territory. Okay, it's 10-3 Packers. Late in the first half, you're thinking, all right, this is a great opportunity for Love to really cash in on that momentum, go down the field, punch it into the end zone. Didn't happen. Love with a not great throw <laughs> on a slant to Winfrey, to say the least. And then I thought he had a really, a really kind of weak throw to Amari Rogers on third down. So, um, you know, um, they kicked the field goal. Ahmed makes it. It's 13-3 Packers late in the half. But still, again, a missed chance for Love in the offense, you know. To go three and out after that turnover was disappointing. You'd like to see him, again, really seize that moment, seize the momentum, and take the team into the end zone. Didn't happen. And he did struggle a little more in the second half once the rain came. Felt like that kind of affected things. Again, the receivers continued to struggle, uh, especially, I thought, in the second half. But overall, very encouraging stuff, you know. Friday night was the best he's looked as a Green Bay Packer. And he did what I said on the show last week I was hoping he'd do, which is build on his overall solid showing against San Francisco. He did that. Now, if Love can build on this showing Thursday night against Kansas City, he's really going to give us reason to be excited about where he's at. Which, if I can just say, if I can go off on a tangent quick, that's what we all want. I keep seeing all this shit on Twitter about, like, why are all these, who are all these, why, are, why do so many Packer fans want Jordan Love to fail? I see more people saying that than I actually see Packers fans who are rooting for Jordan Love to fail. I feel like a lot of that is made up. (laughs) Sorry to say. I feel like people are kind of talking out of their bums on that. I don't really see... Maybe I'm not looking at the right accounts. I don't know. But I don't really see that many people. I see most people rooting for Jordan Love. I see people who are pessimistic based on what we've seen, which I don't think is totally unfair. But I haven't seen anybody like, man, he stinks. I hope he bombs. I haven't seen any of that. I don't know what these people are talking about. It's just, it's a lot of nonsense. It feels like people drumming stuff up for interactions on Twitter, which I hate. Um, so, thank you for allowing that rant. Uh, so that closes out the Jordan Love portion of the show. Every of These preseason games, he's always going to be the main thing I talk about. Because that's the main story in this preseason to me, and I think a lot of people, is the performance of Love, how he looks in these three games. But now that I've done that, let's now talk about how the rest of the team performed. And you know... Again, it's cliche, but I really kind of dug doing the good, bad, good, good, bad, bad, good, good, then bad thing last week. So, you know what? What the hell? Let's do it again, shall we? Let's start out with some good, because as you know, your old pal Lemps is all about keeping it positive. (laughs) Kind of. Um, Not really. Uh, Start with some good. Running back, Tyler Goodson. Thought, uh, I really liked, I liked what I saw from Goodson Friday night. He finishes with 10 carries for 42 yards, one catch for 10 yards, so 11 touches for 52 yards. 
overall good stuff. Um, thought he really looked good in the first half. Had some really nice runs, some nice cutback stuff from him. Uh, he had some nice holes to run through, but I thought he looked good. You know, struggled a little more in the second half as the offensive line changed and, you know, the players maybe weren't as good. Um, but, you know, when things were really important in the first half, I thought he looked really good. I feel like he has the inside track at the moment for the number three running back spot. Yeah, that feels pretty clear. I mean, he got most of the touches early in the game, most of the touches in the first half. Feels like he's the guy they want to give the job to, you know? And I just, I really like how he runs. He runs hard. And more importantly, he's got that explosive element that you really like. You know, a lot of the time it feels like he's going to break one. You know what I'm saying? I like that. That's that's important. If you can get that in your number three running back, that's good stuff. Um, I don't dislike Patrick Taylor. You know, I thought he looked good in his limited opportunities last season, uh, late in the year in particular. Um, you know, I'm always going to hold on to my Dexter Williams stock. Just never going to sell all of it. I like those guys, but and I think they're not terrible players, but I do think Goodson's got that inside track right now. Yeah. And then I'm excited about that. Um, some more good. The offensive, talked about this a little bit already. The offensive line combinations. What is going on with this mouse here? Hold on. There we go. Uh, more good. The offensive line combinations. The pass protection was once again sterling overall. Really, really good stuff. Love had a clean pocket most of the night, was not really pressured most of the night. And I think that was really big. For, you know, as far as that's big in allowing him to continue to develop. So good stuff from the offensive line on that. Um, the run blocking was better. Mentioned I thought Goodson had some really nice holes to run through in that first half. Still a little inconsistent. Not too worried about that, but you did notice it. Um, I do want to talk about Caleb Jones, the apple of Kevin Harlan's eye. I don't know if you watched the broadcast. At two different points, it was like consecutive drives. Kevin Harlan mentioned Jones being in the game and, being, and mentioned how big he is. He's like, he is a, he is a big gentleman at, what is he, 6'9"? Had to set up. 6'9". It's, he's listed at 370. Did Harlan, I think, said somebody's down to 340. So Svelte. Svelte 340. Pro football's nuts, isn't it? Um, yeah, he was, he was definitely obsessed with how big Caleb Jones is. <laughs> Uh, I thought Jones, you know, I do want to mention him because there were some moments where I thought he looked really good. You know, he was a fun story. I, I remember even on draft night seeing, or uh, at the end of the draft, seeing that they had signed him as an uh, undrafted guy and seeing how big he is and just being like, well, that's going to be a guy I'm going to watch in training camp. But, you know, as an undrafted guy, you don't really think, you know, I mean, those are needles and, you know, it's needle in a haystack stuff. But he has slimmed down and showed that he's got some raw tools. He's got some ability. Uh, I, I, you know, I, a lot of talk, will they be able to, I don't think they'll be able to sneak him through to the practice squad. I'll just say that that feels doubtful at this point, a guy with his size and the raw tools that he has, someone's going to scoop him up. If the Packers cut him, they're going to have to keep him on the 53. And I think he's got a real shot to do that. I mean, look at Yash Nyman, right? Yash is a similar, uh, a guy of similar size. What is Yash? Six, seven, three, 14, which is positively wayfish compared to Caleb Jones. But Yash, you know, was a similar guy. Undrafted guy, good size, raw tools. The Packers kept him around. Maybe sometimes we wondered why, but they kept him around, developed him, developed him. And look at by year three, which was last year for him, he turned out to be an incredibly valuable player. So I do kind of wonder if if they're seeing a similar trajectory for Jones. So I think he's going to make the 53. I'll say that right now. Barring something crazy, I think he'll be there. I don't think they can sneak him through. Uh, some quite bad now. 
Tight end Tyler Davis. Tyler, Tyler Davis. He's the holding call, the drop pass that leads to a pick last week. Then he fumbles a Jordan Love pass this week, catches the ball and turns his hit, fumbles right away. All that offseason hype, and it looks like he's already a lock to be cut. It looks like the Tyler Davis era in Green Bay is over. The experiment is over. This is why. Now, I think I said this after the draft. I said, I don't do, it was in my draft wrap-up. I said something to the effect of like, I don't, do I say so many things I can't remember exactly, but something to the effect of, I'm not going to do too much on OTAs and minicamp because I just don't put too much stock in that stuff, right? I mentioned the story about Brandon Underwood back in 2010. It's, you know, there's a lot of hype that comes out of that on certain guys. And he was the, for whatever reason, it feels like the media kind of picks a couple of guys that they really seem to, to hype up and and he was one of those guys for the Packers this year but I was like you know whatever he didn't really do much last year like okay let's see what he looks like in camp when it really starts to matter and in the preseason games now I haven't heard too much about him in practice but in the games he's he's been a stinker <laughs> you know all that hype and again he's just just a dud of a preseason from him prime example don't put too much stock into OTAs and minicamp, don't ever do it. Because I just, I'd be shocked if he makes a team at this point. I'd be shocked if he makes a practice squad at this point, to be honest with you. Um, back to the good, the depth at inside linebacker. Isaiah McDuffie, whew, Isaiah McDuffie, he was all over the place in the first half, wasn't he? Pressuring the quarterback, making nice tackles on Book when he was scrambling, nice tackles on Chris Olave. He's playing much faster. It feels like he's simply reading and reacting. He's not thinking as much. Making a nice second-year jump, it would seem. That's good stuff. And we know what kind of work Joe Barry does with linebackers. It feels like maybe some of that's, you know, that's that's having an effect on McDuffie, which is great. Uh, another backup inside linebacker, Chris Barnes, who we know was also all over the place in the first half, showing some nice pop in his tackling, some nice working coverage. Feels like he and McDuffie have the backup inside linebacker spots locked down. Doesn't feel like there's much of a competition there. Uh, speaking of front seven depth, I want to mention D lineman Chris Slayton. Essentially an unknown heading into camp. He just continues to make plays. He's really going to force the Packers to make a tough decision on the D line, I think. Strong performance Friday, especially in the second half. Made a couple of really nice plays, knifing into the backfield to get to the ball carrier. Uh, I don't know if he'll crack the roster. It feels like he's in a real battle with Jack Heflin for that number six defensive lineman spot. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I feel like that one's going to come down to the wire. Um, Not good or bad, but this one's more hilarious. If you're watching, how funny is the play-by-play work of John Coon? Now, look, I'm not here to slander Coon. He's a Packer legend. We all love yelling Coon. He's a legend. The Packer legend, of course. Um, maybe not to anybody else, but to Tuss Packers fans he is. It's just, <laughs> he is, may we all have somebody in our lives as positive for, that has a, you know, as positive for us as John Coon is for the Green Bay Packers. He, I don't think, found fault with a single thing the Packers did in that game. There were a couple of really bad love passes. <laughs> Coon's going, <laughs> something, he was saying something like, you know, Jordan Love putting that ball in a spot where it can't be picked off or either his guy's going to get it or nobody's going to get it. And I'm like, he put it in a spot where nobody was going to get it. Coon's like, nice work. Nice work not turning it over. 
I was like, we're setting the bar a little low on some of this stuff, John. Um, he's just so positive. He just loves everything they do. <laughs> I mean, I know he's getting paid by the Packers, but oh my God. <laughs> also, the Pennsylvania accent. I feel like if you put him in a Royal Rumble with like Michael Keaton and Dan Marino and Mike McCarthy and, and John Kuhn for like most Pennsylvania accent, Kuhn just trounces. He just throws them all out of the ring. Is that, was that Royal Rumble? Or is that King of the Ring? Whatever one it is where they all run in and there's like 40 of them in the ring at the same time. Kuhn, Kuhn's accent just throws them all over. And those are some Pennsylvania accents. He just throws them all over the top rope. He wins. He literally says, talking. He says the L in talking. I've never heard anybody do that. Again, I'm not making fun. I was just like, wow, that's a, wow, that is like the most Pennsylvania accent. Talking. Um, but I love John Kuhn. I'm just having some fun here. Not, I'm not trying to be a dick. Although I might be sometimes. Um, <laughs> some more good. How fun was the Danny Etling experience in the fourth quarter? <laughs> that 51-yard uh, option keeper around the right end when he sprinted in. For, he can fly, man. I joked on Twitter. I'm like, how are his hands? Could he play wide receiver? Can we check? He, before he came in for the kneel downs, his stat line was, this is hysterical. His stat line was, one of one passing for zero yards, one carry for 51 yards and a score. I find that hilarious. Maybe that's just me. Um, Back to the, yeah, it was cool to see him get that moment, though. Back to the, yep, the bad, the special teams. Allowing a big return right after the Ahmed field goal that put Green Bay up. 3 nothing late in the first. Mid-season form right there, boys. You know? And then... They allow the Saints with the big return to start the second half, too. Now, that got called back by a holding penalty, but you're seeing it, you know? That was a big thing. That's been the big thing the last, well, who's counting how many years? Um, don't worry about it. Uh, the, the, you know, the offense comes up with a big score, and right away the special teams gives the momentum right back. So to see that again Friday night, it was like, oh, God, we're still here. Um, I'm not panicking at all yet, but again, there have been some kind of, you know, it was the thing in San Francisco last week. There's some semi-troubling early signs here. You know, I, I suppose it was too much to ask Rich Bisacci to come in and just clean the whole thing up right away. But this thing has to work out, okay? Because if you remember, I've talked about this on the show. Lafleur wanted to hire renowned special teams coordinator Darren Rizzi when he got the job. And by all accounts, the Packers wouldn't pay him, i.e. Murphy wouldn't open up the damn checkbook. Murphy finally opens up the checkbook for Bisaccia, which is great. But this has to work because if it doesn't, they're never going to spend on a special teams coordinator again, ever. At least not while Murphy's there, which I think is till 2025. They're not going to offer more than minimum wage, I'm telling you. <laughs> how much should I make at Lids? That's how much the next special, the next Packers special teams coordinator will make if the Versace thing doesn't work. So this has to work. This has to work. And let's, you know what? Because again, Professor Positive over here, as you know, let's close with some more good. Safety, Micah Abernathy. Who? Micah, Aber Micah Abernathy just signed on August 10th after playing the 2022 USFL season with the Houston Gamblers, which was that Jim Kelly's team when he played for the Houston Gamblers? He played in the, uh, wasn't it the USFL before going to the Bills in the 80s? I think so. Someone looked that up. Um, but he's making his presence felt immediately. He made a fantastic play to pick Book off uh, late in the first half. Which, I mean, that would have been enough for a guy who, again, like almost literally just got to Green Bay. 
but he wasn't done. Made another outstanding play to diagnose and snuff out a screen pass in the third quarter. I love that word, snuff. He snuffed it out. It's so vivid, you know what I mean? You use the word snuff, it's like, I know exactly what you're saying. Um, I was really good. I was really impressed when, you know, we made the pick. I was like, who's Abernathy? And then when he made that, I was like, is that Abernathy again? Holy shit. Uh, now, obviously, being such a late addition, he's still got an uphill battle ahead of him, to say the least. And you'd think he'll have to turn in at least a similar performance against KC to even have a shot. But if that happens, I don't think you can rule out Abernathy sneaking onto the final 53, which, oh my God, that'd be a hell of a story, wouldn't it? Okay. There we go. So that just about wraps up this episode of Lemp's Talk Pack. Time flies when you're having fun. I think that was a thorough enough breakdown of the preseason game, don't you? Hey, it's all about kicking the rust off and getting ready for the regular season, am I right? Podcasters need reps too, damn it. Packers will be back in action Thursday night, closing out the preseason as they head to, as previously mentioned, Kansas City for a contest with the Chiefs. That one is set for a 7 p.m. Lambeau time kickoff. Doubt we'll see Matt LaFleur go away from the script too much. By that I mean it'll pretty much all be backups and guys fighting for roster spots, seeing the field. Um, Some interesting battles still remain, you know, talked about the number three running back spot. Uh, maybe that last wide receiver spot between Toure and Winfrey, possibly, if they keep seven. But offensive line has some battles. Defensive line, outside linebacker, cornerback. Really, almost every position has a battle or two going on. It's always fun for me to see how those shake out. I know some people don't give a shit, but I do find that stuff interesting, you know? It's watching. It's like watching football a different way, you know what I mean? Less focused on team results and more focused on just watching player performances. You know what I'm saying? Uh, as for when you'll hear from me next, well, I will not be staying up late Thursday night. At least I don't think. <laughs> that seems a little far-fetched for a preseason game. Regular season, yes. Preseason, mm. more likely, I'll, More likely, I'll record it Friday or over the weekend. Probably next week. So probably next weekend you'll hear it, maybe Saturday or Sunday. At the absolute latest, Monday. And at that point after that, it's time to start talking regular season ball, baby. Oh, I can smell it, can't you? That first little hint of falls in the air at night. You can feel it if you go outside. We're so close. Less than three weeks away now. Ooh, it's coming, baby. It is coming. I cannot wait. So until next time, whenever that may be, I am Chris Lampasis. This has been Lamp's Talking Pack. Thank you so very much for listening, Packer Nation. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yes, even you. Please stay safe out there in this crazy world. And remember, always and forever, go pack. Go. Go.